President Biden sounding the alarm on climate change, unveiling measures to deal with what heat he waves called. are becoming more frequent and more intense as global the climate warming emergency continues. is making itself felt across Europe. Record-breaking right now, parts of the U.S. and Europe are facing an unprecedented amount of heat waves, and many don't know how to deal with this. With little meaningful push from our global governments towards sustainability mixed with projections of rising temperatures and sea levels, companies have taken it on themselves to promote ESG through their actions. Wall Street even has been a major voice, with ESG investing becoming all the rave within the past few years. However, how much is this push from our financial sector actually driving change? Hi, my name is Hannah. And my name is Shreyas. Welcome to Everything's Not Okay. And now, our interview with Ulrich Otz, where we discuss ESG investing, how impactful it can be in solving our problems, and seeing if it can make returns for its investors to make sure that incentives are aligned with doing the right thing. Could you talk a little bit about what you found about your research in ESG and how companies are kind of implementing their these practices? Absolutely. Um, we have a specific uh, working paper that is in the very final stage. I think it will come out very soon in, in a journal that focuses on sustainable investing. And that's a sort of a large overview and it tries to really get the big picture view of the different approaches in management, in economics, in, in, in finance and related sort of disciplines because there's just a lot of research out there. And one reason that there's so much research out there is because ESG means many things to many people, right? So. Um, one way to see ESG is as a label, as a finance label for sustainability. So when I, when, when I think of ESG, then I urge everyone, you know, investors or students or, or politicians to think of it not just as some sort of, okay, that's something separate or different than the financial aspect of a company, but that it should really be at the core of the business model. Now, the biggest finding, I think, in our review was that even at the highest level, so when you compare like management study and finance studies, you get different results, which really speaks to this problem that um, the, the very overall, the largest, the 100,000 feet view, whatever you, <laughs> you want to call it, is, is, too, is almost too broad. It's too big, right? And you sort of obscure the underlying details. And what we find is that when you look from sort of the corporate sides of the more the management papers, they on average tend to find sort of a, a positive finding. They interpret the results that yes, investments in sustainability are beneficial for the company. They, they lead to some form of um, competitive advantage, let's call it. This is in contrast to sort of the finance papers that are sort of more neutral and where on average, a ESG portfolio does not outperform a conventional portfolio. They're sort of, you know, at least indistinguishable. And that's also very much in contrast to a lot of the um, news you hear about, you know, how ESG generates alpha, or in contrast to a lot of the um, uh, sort of white papers and industry reports that are push, pushed by specific like um, asset management firms that say, well, you know, if you do it, if you do it this way or you look at it this way, then, then you can generate some form of alpha or some sort of improved uh, risk reward profile. What last thing I'm going to say is this finding does not mean that there are strategies that are successful, right? Because it's it's sort of an average. We we pool many study, 
we pull many different ESG investment strategies. Some of them might be terrible. Some of them might be genius. The only thing is that on average, it's not, there's no sort of easy conclusion you can draw. Yeah. I think that's, first of all, super interesting because at NYU, at Stern, we take a variety of classes that teach us if you have ESG principles, you're going to have higher returns in your portfolios. You're going to have higher earnings in your company. You're going to have you know, better worker retention. And all those things would naturally translate to higher returns. So I'm curious, are there any proven consistent benefits in your research of tracking or having ESG values instilled in your company from an investor's point of view? Yeah, as I said, so there, there, think of it as of two views. One, one investor has like a portfolio of companies or they, they're, you know, you go on Bloomberg and you search for ESG fund and then it's the ESG label, then it spits back a list of funds. And it's very unclear to you what this fund actually does. Is it a very sophisticated sort of ESG weighting skills with like interaction of the management, some form of active stewardship? Or is it a fund that says we don't invest in coal and uh, case closed, right? There's some very nice anecdote where sort of Goldman Sachs, I think they relabeled a technology fund into an ESG fund for marketing purposes. And it's totally valid because there's no ESG definition or no ESG regulation. So on that, you know, that's sort of the level where it becomes very difficult to claim or that ESG is like better than another investment strategy. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. It just becomes more difficult. From the corporate side, when you look at specific companies and you look at specific sort of ways they innovate or they embed sustainability in their business operation, I think it's much easier to um, follow your line of thought that this is beneficial for a variety of reasons. So I'm part of the Center of Sustainable Business that's led by Tansy Whelan. And one of the methodologies you espouse is called the return of sustainable investing. And it's sort of more of a case study approach where you take a company or a sector and you, tr and you try to really understand where do the benefits come from and how much they're worth in a dollar value. So how do you monetize them? And they're very good examples. I think at the moment, from what I hear and see from this case, that is risk management is really the top concern and the top sort of way to improve your company's sort of long-term advantage, because a lot of the benefits of investing in sustainability, it's like an insurance-like effect, some people say, right? Sort of they help you to uh, protect yourself against future regulation, against future threats from the, let's say, climate change, but also they help you to sort of maybe protect you from reputational risks. I think the second one that's talked about a lot where companies can really gain an advantage through in investing in sustainability is around sort of the S of ESG, so investing in employees. This has really come out during that pandemic, right, because people were like, I'm how can I work from home? What sort of, you know, the, all these sort of considerations came to the forefront and there are some nice case studies around that. And I think when companies invest in their employees, I mean, it seems obvious, but <laughs> when companies invest in their employees, they just have a better time hiring a new generation of smart people. And they have a better time retaining employees. They have a better time just, you know, making them, productive and not to burn out when we live in a very challenging environment. So I think sort of risk management is sustainability as risk management, as an insurance, sort of as the first strategy. And then the second one that's really 
common and studies talk about and also, you know, outlets like the Harvard Business Review talk about is sort of the S sort of how do you treat your employees beyond just, you know, the executive level, I have to say. ESG metrics, it's very diverse, depends on the company, depends on how they define it. So how do you think the financial landscape could help better your research and just in general ESG data? Um, and how companies can maybe be held more accountable in that standard too. There is this, as we said, discussed before, there is this wish for like one ultimate metric, like one ESG score that tells you everything about the company, but it's just not true. Um, think about profits, right? It would be amazing if profit would tell you everything about a company. It tells you a lot, but you look at the Russell 2000 and I don't know, something like 60%, 40% of companies are not profitable. 60% are profitable. So clearly you need to know more than just profits, even for financial metrics to understand the company. And that's the same uh, for ESG metrics. Um, so my overall sort of um, wish for people would to be to go beyond just an ESG score that pulls everything together. Now, what people may be not so aware of is that ESG metrics are by and large uh, voluntary and they're not audited. So compared to like a balance sheet number. So that makes them less um, comparable. So it's more difficult to like take an individual number and compare it across companies. So it's a challenge for investors. But then there are companies that are trying to like solve that challenge. So you have a lot of these ESG data providers. What's more difficult is to um, bring regulation into this space. Ultimately, I think there will always be an aspect that's voluntary because things are very difficult to measure, for, especially around the S part, right? How do you treat your workers? And um, over time, I think we will move more and more to one standard. Practice will become more common, more standard, which will help everyone around this space. Um, and then finally, my final point here is that I think it's a mistake to trying to capture everything. Um, I say this as a big proponent of transparency and open data, but it's really important for companies to focus on the most material metrics because otherwise they get drowned in a sea of requirements that costs a lot of money, especially for sort of smaller and medium-sized corporation and really figuring out what are the most important metrics that um, matter to investors and that matter to other stakeholders will be a key challenge in the future. Following up on your point about the ESG metrics, so S&P 500's ESG index kicked out Tesla and they Exxon from their, from their index. And to the average retail investor who's not looking at what the ESG metrics actually are, this seems like you know a classic example of greenwashing that an electric vehicle company is not in the ESG metric, but you know, one of the largest oil gas producers is. So what is going on here? And mm. what would a better solution look like in your view? That's an excellent question. I think it, that's sort of a very nice sort of anecdote about how ESG goes wrong or goes right, depending on how you look at it. So um, it is true, first of all, that many ESG funds have oil companies and oil adjacent <laughs> companies in their portfolio for whatever reason, right? Um, it's very difficult to, if you have very stringent uh, requirement in terms of your exclusions, you sort of narrow down your universe of companies a lot, which 
you know, on the surface makes it more difficult to invest because you just have less choice. Um, and one way to explain this is to say, well, ESG is, a, as I said, sustainability is like a composite of many different aspects. Some people may say, I care a lot about governance or care a lot about the S in ESG, and therefore I will accept some part of environmental concern. Other people will say, well, if the business model is fundamentally flawed, like say tobacco or oil, let's say, then it, it must not, it must never be in, in my um, portfolio. Now, these are two, just two different philosophies. And if you have one ESG score, um, you know, you're stuck with that score. That's why I go back to the earlier sort of suggestion, you, you have to provide more to make this decision. Um, you know, an inter another interesting anecdote that is sort of emerging, I think in the popular press and also in research is sort of the whole question around companies that engage in um, weapon manufacturers with the war in Ukraine. Um, is this, you know, sh should they be labeled as green or not, et cetera, et cetera. Now, <laughs> In the EU, again, there's this effort to create a taxonomy. It's really difficult because it's a political process, right? Should nuclear energy be green or not? You can have different opinions on it. Um, and so if we will see how well that works, right? It's, as I said, it's a political process. There will be compromises. Not everyone will be happy. Um, with the example of Tesla, that's that's. I think it's also a great example that helps one someone to think through how to approach the whole idea of ESG. You know, Tesla is groundbreaking in terms of how they disrupt the automotive space. Uh, I think it's without a doubt, we have to change our reliance on oil and gas and relying on the internal combustion engine. I don't think it's no longer the only company that does electric vehicle, right? We did a paper in the automotive sector, uh, which included other companies, not, not Tesla. And one of the findings was just that the, the benefit from more innovation, sort of the, the additional features that relate to zero emission and low emission vehicles in these traditional auto manufacturers are just, we're talking of billions of dollars here, several percent of their revenue. There's another aspect of ESG that I will mention, although I don't think it's sort of material to this particular example, but sometimes um, companies get punished when they don't, are transparent about their ESG metrics, right? So some of the ESG raters will say, if you do not tell us your carbon emissions, you, you will get the worst score. This may sound radical, but I think it's well justified um, in terms of how ESG should work. Students are beginning to really mm -hmm. value ESG and also making sure that the companies that they work for in the future at least have, you know, positive um, action plans to contributing and making change within our overall society. So in that, and see yeah. that ESG itself may actually have some problems. Um, how do you think students should move forward in this landscape and hold their companies accountable and also make sure that ESG is actually being implemented to drive change? Let me answer this in two ways. First, as an investor, and then second, ask a person who is looking for a company aligns with their values. So first, an investor. I think the, the key aspect here is relinquish the thought that one ESG score will solve all your issues. 
um, or that just delay just because a fund says they're green or they're an ESG fund will sort of solve all of the world's problems. It's quite quite the contrary. So I, I think the advice here would be to sort of pick an issue you're passionate about or that you think is important for the future. This could be climate change, or this could be worker power, or or gender equality. You know something that you think is important, and then um, you know look specifically towards either investment vehicles or funds or specific companies that support that mission. It's easy to get distracted by memes, etc. But if you have <laughs> an issue that you're passionate about, you can, I think it's much easier to find an investing strategy as it were that supports that. Um, secondly, on, on this vein, it's important to look outside what companies are doing. I think this, you know, you know best as sort of studying something at the intersection um, regulation and, and pause making has an important role to play here. Um, the current form of capitalism is, is not going um, far enough to really solve this on its own, right? This climate change, these issues are very pressing. And we're frankly, we're not doing enough at the moment. So it has to be business and policy that work in parallel. Now, as a, as a sort of a young graduate, thinking about joining a company, um, there, first of all, there are many sort of rankings and tools and resources that help you identify which companies do well and which companies maybe do not care so much about sustainability. I think it's important to think about sustainability as a strategic approach. Domain expertise is, will always be important, but uh, often sustainability sits sort of at at the, at the intersection that tries to bring to together different function of the businesses, the leading companies in terms of ESG and sustainability, and they really place that function very high, often on the, at the board level or relate, you know, with a direct link to the CEO, uh, you know, it behooves students to think about sustainability in this, in this sort of strategic form rather than the finance side. Now, if you want to join like a hedge fund or like a, you know, a financial company, of course, then then you probably want to come from the financial aspect. But otherwise, I, I think the strategic aspect is the way to go. When you hear companies making claims about sustainability, think about it. Is this just some form of um, ambition or some sort of like target that's supposed to be met in 2025? Or is it a company that embeds sustainability at the core of their business? You know, are they really changing their asset allocation? Are they really changing how they like operate their supply chain? Are they really changing how they like um, innovate on a product level with respect to sustainability? Or are, just, are they just promising to, you know, maybe use plastic straw in 20 years? <laughs> um, so I think that's sort of my overall um, advice to someone who's looking for a job. <laughs>